Welcome to Pros Tinted Glasses. I'm Bailey. And I'm Katie. And uh, we're here to talk uh, love and shit about our favorite books, basically. Yes, both. Lots and lots of both. Um, And especially lots of both because today we figured we'd start off with a bang and just kind of do a basic Harry Potter overview. Which is to say we will have a lot to say and uh, it might go places we don't expect, but we'll see. <laughs> we have a couple disclaimers to get out of the way before we start because, uh, well, it is Harry Potter. So uh, the first disclaimer is no turfs allowed. Yeah. Um, JKR, do not interact. We're not interested in your opinions uh, or anything that you do now that Harry Potter is already like, published. Bye. <laughs> Yes, we we know she's a bad person. We are not interested in debating that. We That's pretty clear cut. But we are still going to talk about Harry Potter for the entire reason that it is a major part of modern fandom. And to have a book podcast where we talk about fandom and books and the way the world is around all of that right now and not talk about Harry Potter would be to miss a huge chunk of what we relate to. So. Yeah. Plus it's, I mean, it's a big part of our childhood. It's a big part of um, how we look at fandom, which we'll, we'll go into a little bit more explicitly, but we just want to make it clear that um, trans people are the gender that they say they are. Non-binary people are what they say they are. JK Rowling sucks, but you guys don't and you're valuable and we love and appreciate you. You're valid and welcome here. That's all we got to say. The second disclaimer is that this is not a spoiler-free podcast. If it has a title in the description, we assume that by listening to it, you've read it or you don't care about spoilers. If that's the case, you do you. But this will entail a full discussion of everything that happens. So don't listen if you haven't read Harry Potter. If you haven't read Harry Potter, look at your choices, please. Yeah, definitely. We we are going to lovingly hate on movie-only Harry Potter fans, too. You know, your choices are valid. They're just not the choices that we would have made. And we are going to lovingly make fun of you for that. Very much so. So I guess we'll just start with, like, a brief history of, um, like, our personal experiences with Harry Potter. I got into it shortly before the first movie was released. Um, And I remember my best friend Kaylee had already read, I think there were four released at the time, and she'd already read them. And she was like super obsessed with it. And I was a little contrarian jackass. And I was like, I remember vividly sitting on her bed one day and being like, when are people going to stop talking about Harry Potter? Never. Um, And the joke is so, so very much on me because... Here I am talking about Harry Potter on a podcast. Anyway, then the uh, the first trailer for the first movie came out, and I was like, that looks so cool. And my mom was like, well, you can't see it until you've read the book. And so then I read all the books, and uh, here we are. A moment that will define the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. Oof. I um, don't have a fun story where I disparaged the entire concept of Harry Potter simply because I hadn't read it yet. Um, But I (laughs) did read it in part because a cute boy in my third grade class said that he was reading it. And uh, that 
that decision led to a whole host of decisions down the road that uh, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan and my life would not be the same without it. Basically, a friend was reading one of the Harry Potter books, possibly the first, and he leaned over and he was like, yeah, I'm reading that too. It's really great. And I was like, well, third grade me didn't say shit, but shit, I got to read that. Uh, So I started reading the first Harry Potter book. It's uh, the rest is history. Yeah, and that that led us to here. Um, so Harry Potter was, I think, both of our our first entrances to fandom, and I think that's probably true for a lot of people, especially a lot of people our age, because it was such a uh, deeply cultural phenomenon. Um, Bailey, I didn't go to any midnight book releases, and I think I only got to go to midnight premieres for the the last two, maybe the last three movies. But you did, right? Well, I was all set to go to a midnight book release for the seventh Harry Potter book in July of 2007, but instead it rained and the Atlanta airport canceled my flight home. And so I did not get to go to the release party, which is something I don't know if you could tell. um, I'm still a little bitter about missing. We stayed in a very interesting location in Atlanta. And then the next morning... I was very upset because my mom would not let me buy another copy of a book she'd already purchased unless I had enough money left over from vacation, which I did not because I was not old enough to plan ahead for things like that. I bought all my souvenirs. (laughs) So instead, I, maybe not something to be proud of, but I did it, sat on the floor of the bookshop in the airport and read it until they called our flight for boarding and then just put that book back on the shelf and left the airport <laughs> bookstore. <laughs> just left. Sure. Uh, maybe not Maybe not deeply ethical, but I, I feel that. <laughs> my mom did bring my copy in the car when she picked me up from the airport. But regardless, it was a scarring experience because prior to that, I hadn't really been old enough to do midnight releases for books. This was the first one where my mom really felt like I could go and like, she was probably right. Let's not lie. Yeah, that's fair. I was 15, I think maybe. So. Yeah. uh, Weirdly, we have, I mean, not, not like a very similar experience, but I also ordered the seventh book to be delivered to my doorstep, 9 a.m. the day it was released. Um, And then the day it was released, I was visiting family in Hershey, Pennsylvania, nowhere near my doorstep. But luckily, we uh, went to Costco and my mom was willing to purchase me a second one because she knew how how very, very desperate I was. Um, And then I spent like the last, uh, I think that was maybe our last day there or the day before our last day. And I spent most of that day and the entire plane ride home, reading my second copy of The Deathly Hallows. Um, and that is why I have two copies of that book. That that makes sense. I have one copy of each book. My fifth Harry Potter book actually has mud all over it. First of all, something you should know about me. I don't like dust jackets on books. Oh. I take most of them off. I Now that I'm older, I put most of them back on. Mm-hmm. But for my Harry Potter books, I did not. I don't even own them anymore, I'm certain. So when the fifth Harry Potter book came out, it was the week I was supposed to go to Girl Scout camp. I thought, no big deal. Plenty of girls will have the book. And I stuck it in the side pocket of my duffel bag. As I was lugging my duffel bag down to the 
to the tent site that my group had been assigned, it fell into a puddle out of the side pocket of my devil leg. And now there's a mud stain on it because I don't put the dust jacket on. So it's, it's just stained. Oh, that is, that is a big oof. Um, I feel like it's important to just mention as an aside that neither of us are, are super fussy book people. Like, uh, I'm, if you want to fold down the corner of your book, you know, whatever you do, you, we were talking, um, earlier about how, like, I don't use bookmarks at all. I actually don't even usually, uh, fold down the cover, the page of books. I usually just remember where I was, which, uh, some people might rightly consider psychopathic behavior. I did get called that earlier for suggesting that one simply just guesses the page that you left off on, which is my preferred method of bookmarking. (laughs) Sometimes it works very well, and sometimes you read a whole chapter a second time because you just kind of forgot where you were. (laughs) Yeah, um, yeah, that's how I I approach it too. Although also worth mentioning, um, I am incapable of not multitasking. I must always be doing two things at once. Um, and so therefore, I have not read a physical book in several years. I listened to audiobooks nearly exclusively. So this was this is more of a, an experience of my past than my current, um, because I must be able to do something with my hands while I'm listening to a book. So you got to learn to read fast enough that you're constantly turning pages. I think that's the key here. Just constant turn page. Read so fast that your hand is never still. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a good suggestion. I will learn to. I, I already read pretty fast, but I, I'm by no means like literally a speed reader. Um. So I will take that under advisement and make that my my goal for 2021. Is it too late to make New Year's resolutions? No, it's never too late to make positive changes in your life. <laughs> um, back to the condition of our, of specifically our Harry Potter books, though. My, so my older brother had read the first four by the time, like I said, I, I finally started reading them. So um, we've had the same copies since he read them. And we have the first book is a paperback. Same. And then the rest are all hardcover. And they are not in good condition, especially uh, the third book. Uh, Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite book um, by far. And specifically, like the last five chapters, like once they go through the Whomping Willow, are like my favorite part of the book because I am a Marauders simp. Give me some serious content. Give me some Remus content. You got my attention. Um, And so I used to like reread specifically the last five chapters of that book, possibly every night for a good period of time. And so that part is like broken away from the spine. Oh, it's very unfortunate, but it was it was well loved. Let's say that. The third book also is my favorite book, which um, this is also another segment which we will not be having arguments about, not accepting criticism at this time. We're right and we should say it. It's true. I went through a phase with the fourth book where I decided that the dark mark was an evil thing, which, like, let's be clear, it's an evil thing. I decided that the best thing to do would be to take a black sharpie and mark out every instance of the word the dark mark in my only copy of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Guys, if you could see Katie right now, she has both hands covering her mouth and is staring at me. This is a stronger reaction than I get when I tell people I don't use bookmarks. I mean, I'm on board with the not using bookmarks. I don't care that you got mud on your book, but marking in your book with a sharp. It was evil. The dark mark is bad. It's uh, very black and white. There is no room for nuance when you're at that age reading this series, which incidentally is going to be a much more serious thing we'll talk about. But there's no room for nuance like dark mark, Voldemort, bad, black it out. I censored them. 
That is, I mean, I would argue that it's more evil to write in a book with a Sharpie than it is to cast a dark mark. My God, I didn't know you were a monster. <laughs> That's it. I am, um, I'm now the pariah of this podcast. <laughs> oh, man. And like, I'm a chill person. Imagine all the people listening to this who are not chill people about their books. New listeners. I'm sorry. <laughs> fucking rip please forgive me i've never written in any of my other books <laughs> i think <laughs> that was well that was an incredible and uh, a deeply disturbing piece of information that i just learned about you thank you for sharing <laughs> this was all of our first experiences in fandom <laughs> i made a mistake we were all learning how to be fans at the same time fandom as we know it in 2021 is here in part because of Harry Potter. Uh, I don't know that there's anything that's taken over pop culture as a book like Harry Potter did. And so, yeah, there's probably all things that we uh, look back on with Harry Potter fandom, like writing in our books that we're like, why did we do that? But we did. Like, I, I mean, ev midnight movie premieres. You threw together a costume. I don't remember seeing, like, serious cosplay. I just remember people, like, having fun. I distinctly remember at one movie, we got there early for whichever showing we were at, and there was this group of guys with their their robes on, and they had, like, a kitchen broom, not a firebolt-type, like, fan collector's item, like a kitchen broom, and they were just, like, running up and down the aisles of the movie theater just like high-fiving people and being excited about this and everyone was loving it which is also weird to contemplate high-fiving a stranger because this is 2021 oh god imagine and, uh, touching someone imagine like being in a movie theater with people running around without masks i mean ugh. i mean i can't because i prefer matinees where there's no one else and i can drink my beer and watch a movie in in, in my relative peace but i mean absolute same um my experience with midnight moving premieres, we, I mean, we didn't like full cosplay, but we, we went pretty uh, hard on our costumes for at least the last movie or one of the last movies. We, uh, my mom sewed us all robes and we like went, we sewed in like the lining of our house colors, uh, which will be revealed later on. But I had a big group of friends. My mom helped us sew our all our robes. We showed up with, with like Red Vines, which is a, a very Potter sequel reference, uh, yes. which we were all deeply obsessed with. And then I don't think I ever told you this, Bailey. Um, I played Quidditch in high school. So many things are coming out. So many things that we're yeah. learning right now. Yeah. we. My friend Kelsey was like my best friend in high school and we were deeply into Harry Potter together. And she built... Who Quidditch hoops out of PVC pipe with her dad. Uh, and this was back right around when Quidditch started to become a thing in college. And we made our own Quidditch team and we played Quidditch in high school. Honestly, that's awesome. It was fun. Um, it was very fun. Oh, that is cool. I, we didn't make costumes, but we did go to Hot Topic to get licensed Harry Potter shirts to wear with our, our low rise jeans because it was the late 2000s. It was questionable times for fashion, but, you know, what can you do? I'm, I'm fairly certain we also wore the Harry Potter shirts to go TP our friend's campsite where we wore headbands around our forehead with our hair down and um, under eye black. 
So very much a, a sign of the times. But yeah, so that's um, I. I also remember my sister, which I know we said we were gonna hate on on movie only watchers, and this this is where that starts. It's my <laughs> sister. She had only watched the movies, and we were going to see. Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, which if you're a book fan, you'll know that in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, they basically looked at that whole section where Dumbledore explains everything at the end of the book. And they were like, no, that's not important. We're not going to put that in the movie. So we get to the sixth movie and my sister is like, wait, who is that character? What are they doing? How are we supposed to know what this is? And so I spent half the movie whispering in her ear the background for all of <laughs> all of the things that happened because she only watched the movies. If you need a sign to read the books and figure out what you're missing, this is one of those. Yeah, I they just leave stuff out and just take for granted that you'll understand it because you've read the books. And I, I just really am curious what the experience of a movie only watcher is because some of those things just don't seem like they would make sense if you didn't have the full context and background. <laughs> I, I, we'll talk about shipping more later, but certainly Harry and Ginny was a choice in the movies if you didn't have more background. And I know that's been argued to death in modern certainly. discourse, but I, I'm still going to say it. I saw a TikTok. I didn't send it to you this morning, but it was like a girl going, tell it, tell me your favorite Harry Potter character that they left out of the movies. I'll go first. Ginny. It's, she's not wrong and she should say it. I mean... She is, she is absolutely correct. Um, but bringing in, like, TikTok and, like, that part of fandom, you know, we did it all before. It was it was Tumblr. And I feel like one of the reasons Harry Potter and Harry Potter fandom took off is because we were growing up and the internet was growing up and becoming more ubiquitous. And there were places to express that fandom and find other people who were just as obsessed with it as you are. Uh, I know we both spent a lot of time on MuggleNet. I spent a lot of time on MNI, MuggleNet Interactive, which was like a forum within MuggleNet. And some of it was role-playing and some of it was not. And you could take classes, like Hogwarts classes, on these dinky little forum boards. Um, And it was just, you know, I did that every day after school for probably two years. Message forums are a lost corner of the internet, for sure. I mean, Yes, Reddit exists, but Reddit doesn't come close to that sort of feeling of the early mid internet where yet you had a whole community of people that were all experiencing something together for the first time, like on MuggleNet. And I didn't necessarily go on interactive, but I definitely chucked MuggleNet all the time, especially as we approached each book release, because they would have organized pages with all these clues from previous books or tidbits that had been dropped in interviews about what was coming and trying to kind of predict where the story was going to go. And that was just a whole, whole thing. And Tumblr, I mean, the hell site for fandoms. (laughs) Truly. Still is. Still just a whole sort of coming together and experiencing something that I don't know is if it's, uh, able to be replicated if it will ever happen again, but it was great to be a part of it and go through all of these websites and experience everything, including some of the more interesting things like the shipping wars mm-hmm. and the fanfic wars. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there's a lot there that happened on the internet outside of just strictly being a Harry Potter fan. 
Yeah, I think that era and the way that everyone was experiencing Harry Potter together, where we were all waiting for the next book and waiting to see what would happen next and waiting to see whether or not Snape was good or evil. I think that's something that doesn't happen very much in current media. Like even... I'd say probably Game of Thrones and more specifically the the book series, A Song of Ice and Fire, is maybe the closest I've come since then to a community of people who are really digging into the text of each book to find evidence for theories. And that's the also probably the only one where theories range from extremely plausible slash turned out to be accurate such as um, R plus L equals J in Game of Thrones, or um, Snape's true allegiance in Harry Potter, to the absolutely ridiculous, like the time-traveling Tyrion Targaryen theory, and uh, Ron being time-traveling Dumbledore. Ron being time-traveling Dumbledore, yes. I have seen... So, I do see in the Dresden Files uh, followers... There is some sort of like theory crafting as they wait for these books to come out, especially recently, Jim Butcher, the author, released two full length novels that were originally written as one. So he released Peace Talks and then a couple of months later released Battleground and Peace Talks was a it happened over a very short amount of actual time in the novel and it was all this big lead up to Battleground. And so in those few months where everyone had read Peace Talks but not yet read Battleground, there were a ton of just, uh, especially on Reddit, posts about what does this mean? Here's where all the players are on this like this chessboard. How's it going to play out? And that's the closest thing that I re- remember that could even be close to all of us breaking down Snape's every line snape's every wait why was he here in this scene what was he up to sort of thing i and that was that was such a big deal now that everything's come out everyone's like oh we know what snape did but at the time you were very seriously on one side of this argument or the other you thought snape was good or you thought snape was bad Yeah, and I think that, again, that goes back to what you were saying about not having room for nuance. I know a lot of people were reading Harry Potter that were a little bit older than us and that were young adults, um, but we were, you know, in our teens when the last book came out, so we were very still black and white, not not a lot of room for nuance. And I think it's been interesting to watch as the fandom grows up, we can look back on that Snape stuff and be like, ah, you know... Maybe it was a little bit more obvious, and also maybe he's not not a good guy, even though that was sort of the intention of that twist at the end. Um, you know, he was still a shitty person, and he did a good thing, and I think it's nice to be able to see that in all of the shades of gray that it is, as opposed to just that, you know, mind-blowing moment as a kid. But that mind-blowing moment was also something really special and, and interesting to experience. Right. And it's fascinating now too, as you're saying, like look back at it as an adult and see all of these different analyses of some of the characters that when we were younger, it was just, you looked at the character and you were like, oh, they are this. For example, you looked at Dumbledore and you're like, he was Harry's leader. He was a good guy. And then now that we are older and there's much more room for nuance when you are looking at a series you see that Dumbledore had a lot of shades of gray as well. Dumbledore wasn't a straightforward character that was helping guide Harry. 
even though that is the way he's presented. But another reason I think Harry Potter fans are able to have now this much nuance and discussion is because we've been with Harry Potter for so long. Katie and I were talking about this earlier. We never really stopped being Harry Potter fans. We just had some times where we were like very into it. Everything was Harry Potter. And sometimes where, yeah, we'd come home and read it, but we didn't go out and do anything. And then again, um, especially now with TikTok, like everything is Harry Potter again. And that's great. But it also means that we have a ton of knowledge about Harry Potter and we're looking at it through a different lens now than we were when we were 13 years old and reading it for the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But there just was something so special about that experience of being kids and, and reading all those theories online. And this is another thing about the sort of theory crafting art that has been lost in more of the digital era. There was like a publishing industry that built up around publishing books about Harry Potter theories. And I know this because I have some of them. Um, I am still to, to date the proud owner of Wizarding World Press's New Clues to Harry Potter Book 5, Hints from the Ultimate Unofficial Guide to the Mysteries of Harry Potter, for HP sleuths only, um, and also pr the proud owner of The Great Snape Debate, uh, which is a double-sided book that uh, flips over portrait long-wise, portrait-wise. One, one side it says The Great Snape Debate, The Case for Snape's Innocence, and the other side is The Case for Snape's Guilt. And those were things that I purchased with money. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I I went on MuggleNet um and had those same sort of discussions. It it was it was a very serious business. Harry Potter spawned so much other media mm -hmm. outside of these seven books and eight movies that it's just incredible. I don't even think we've talked about uh Wizard Rock in the lead oh up to this. God. I listened to Wizard Rock. Harry and the Potters and Draco and the Malfoys. Yes. I listened to that stuff. Right. That's I'm so much media outside of just like these seven books, which is something I don't think that we quite get as much anymore. But still, like, you know, I don't think there's a Game of Thrones themed band. No. To my knowledge. I would love to be wrong. Oh, maybe we should start one. <laughs> but like still with Harry Potter, like I on my coffee table right now, I have a Harry Potter board game. It's a collaborative deck building game where you try to defeat the villains from the series. And we didn't buy it until 2020 and maybe 2019. I don't know. Time has no meaning anymore. Mm -hmm. But like that's how many other books or movies have you seen or read that you can say have spawned all of that? The obvious um, sort of other ones being Star Wars. And just like Disney as a, as a Disney umbrella. But even properties within Disney like those are mainly mainly for toys and anything else that they spawn is just a product of them being a Disney movie more so than like the individual property having that much of a, a following yeah I don't I feel like with Disney you are a Disney fan you are not like a Beauty and the Beast stan mm -hmm, like mm -hmm, exactly you like Disney and that's fine like please I'm not hating on Disney I'm definitely a little bit of a Disney adult in some ways but it, it's different for that than it is for Harry Potter. I mean, say I'm a Disney adult and then I was going to talk about the theme park. <laughs> Naturally. Um, like the theme park is still ever expanding and that's unique. I don't know that when I was 15 and going to the final release of the the book that I ever thought I'd be able to walk down 
a fake Diagon Alley and just feel like that world has come to life a little bit more than it even did in the movies. Yeah, um, I still unfortunately have not made it to the theme park. I will I will someday. Um, but I did get to go to the Warner Brothers studio tour in the UK uh, when I was on vacation with my mom and my sister-in-law and her sister. And it was just the coolest thing to see all of the costumes, um, all of the set decoration, all of the props. We got to there was a section where one of the workers brought out, they call it the hero prop, and it was Tom Riddle's diary, and it was the one that was in the scenes where it had actually been stabbed and was, you know, bleeding. Um, they didn't keep that one out in the display case, but she brought it out and, like, was handling it with gloves, so we got to see, like, the main Tom Riddle's diary, which was really cool, and then going out and seeing the night bus and four Privet Drive, and, and then the third section of the studio tour is all concept art and all of the early stages of development of the movies and it was just so deeply cool they had like an animatronic um i want to say like an animatronic dobby or maybe an animatronic one of the creepy voldemort baby but all the all the art and then of course the the model of hogwarts at the end that they used for all of the exterior shots um which is you know it probably takes up maybe like a a little bit of a like a small bedroom is probably how big it is floor length wise, maybe a little bit smaller than that. Um, but it's still huge, but of course, much smaller than an actual castle. Well, yeah, I mean, I, that's so I we didn't go to the studio to where I'm sure I'll make it there someday. But last time that I traveled abroad, I, we didn't make it to any of the studio tours or anything. And that, I didn't realize there was a section on concept art that is so interesting to me i can't wait till i get to see that it was it was fascinating we also there was a section in the tour where you could basically have wand lessons and they taught you like how to do some fancy wand moves that me and my sisters-in-law had a really good time with my friend got selected for the wand choosing ceremony at the Ollivander's shop it was so exciting and we did that in january of 2020 so that was sort of a um (laughs) big bang to go out on, I guess, before we, we led into everything mm-hmm. that happened in the rest of 2020. <laughs> Bruce is doing a thing again, Katie's dog. He's, um, his name is Bruce Wayne. Um, just to prove to you that I am a fandom nerd for more things than just Harry Potter. Just probably, probably mostly Harry Potter. I had a fish named Albus. Oh my once, gosh. So I, I can't really talk <laughs> In college. Oh. Yeah, we had a we had a beta fish named Albus. Oh my goodness. He lived on our beer cooler. Oh. Our beer fridge. Cool. Very so college. Yep. Just deeply college. Uh-huh. Yes. Um we got the tank from one of my roommate's professors that she worked in the lab for. Mm. That's fun. Yeah. Um this is just a, a college aside. I don't know if we need to keep this part in the episode, but I don't know if I ever told you in college, uh so when I was at the studio tour so, you know, I was in PCEF and we shared an, os- an office right. with PESC. Um, and if this ends up in the episode for the for the non-Purdue grads, those are just two engineering organizations at Purdue. And we were like frenemy organizations um, where we were like, we had slightly different purposes and like they were rich and we didn't have a lot of money and, um, you know, but we shared an office. Oh my God, it's class. Oh my God, it's just like Purdue in a nutshell. Yeah, right. Wow. Um, and we, so we would like party together sometimes, but not always. Um, so I knew some of them, but not all of them. But so at literally the studio tour, the Hogwarts studio tour, Hogwarts, at the Warner Brothers studio tour, on the bridge to Hogwarts, 
I was wearing my PSAF jacket and I turn around and there's a guy standing at the other end of the Hogwarts bridge wearing a PESC jacket. And I go... This is when you guys needed to use your wand movements that you learned <laughs> to, like, to duel. face off. No, but it was just so surreal because he was someone I, I like knew and had seen around but had never met. And we just like made eye contact and he was like, peace, F. I was like, pesk. Um, and so anyway, that's how I met a guy that I shared an office with uh, in London on the bridge to Hogwarts. <laughs> <sighs> what a, what a, what an experience. That's. Yeah. That's probably my favorite. Like l- the world is. Very, very small story. Yeah, I have I have a few of those not worth getting into on, on the podcast. Um, let's see. So, yeah, the theme park, obviously, I mean, I've been to the one in Florida. I guess I should clarify. I know there are some differences, but I've been to the one in Florida. I've <laughs> also been to Disney. Clearly, you got to do both after you run there. One of the other things that we really, we have not touched on, our least favorite book and movie. Okay, um... I, I guess my least favorite book, I might get crucified for this. I think it's Order of the Phoenix. I feel like that's everyone's least favorite book. No, I feel like it's Chamber of Secrets. Okay, yeah, but that's just because I feel like Chamber of Secrets is, is disliked because it's just one of the earlier ones that's just not as interesting. I feel like people just really hate Angsty Harry in Order of the Phoenix. But it's also sort of rom-commy in the fact that, like, if people in this book had just communicated, a lot of the issues would have been resolved before they got resolved. Like, no one had a conversation. The plot relies on everyone being an idiot, which is not great. So, yeah, like, Harry is annoying, but so is the plot. Mm -hmm. I mean... Yeah, that's that's fair. That's that's mine. I, I don't hate it as a general concept is just like my least favorite because it is, I feel like a weak way to write that particular story. And also because Sirius had to die and fuck that. Yeah. Um, I don't rank the books a lot in my head. I think Sirius's death is a big case for order of the Phoenix to be the worst one. I think probably my least favorite. I might, I might get crucified for this one. I probably would put Goblet of Fire pretty low. Um, and it's like, I enjoy it a lot, but it's, the plot just does not make sense. Like the whole tournament thing, um, JK Rowling does not know how to do sports. Um, anytime she attempts to do sports, it's bad. And, you know, Goblet of Fire is a sports book and she doesn't understand how that should work. I think it doesn't get a lot of hate for that because it's enjoyable on a surface level. It's like, ooh, action. He's fighting dragons. Fun, mermaids, woo, Yule Ball, they get to dance. It's awkward and embarrassing. Like, on the surface, a lot of the things that happen are enjoyable to read. But as they've taken as a whole for, like, like you're saying, the plot, it it's a weaker, it's a weaker book for those reasons. Yeah, and it's also, it's the longest one. It's right in the middle. Um, it's sort of that bridge between the childhood and the, like, adolescence, adulthood sides of the story. And again, I enjoy Goblet of Fire a lot. It just, it drags. The sports part is not done well. The plot is maybe not how I would have done it. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that one right for, for now for my least favorite. Okay. Um, I have a much more definitive least favorite movie. Um, I fucking hate the Prisoner of Azkaban movie. And that basically has to do with the fact that 
Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite book. And people love that movie because, I mean, Alfonso Cuaron's a good director. And I like a lot of his other movies. Like, fuck me up with The Little Princess. You know, I love that film. But he just, he didn't try and direct a Harry Potter movie. He directed just a different movie that had Harry Potter characters in it. I agree, which I think is part of the reason some people do choose that one as their favorite movie, because from a cinematic standpoint, it is a very, like, enjoy- good movie to watch. I think he made decisions from a visual standpoint that are very good. Yeah, to be clear, I, I understand that is it is objectively a good movie. I understand that. I'm not arguing with you about that. I mean, not you, Bailey, but like the theoretical you. You're right. It was a good movie. I just hate it. Yeah, I, I respect that. That's fine. I can't make any argument from the things that you said. Like, it it not it doesn't have the same feel as the book to me. And that's important because, like we said, it's our favorite book. Mm-hmm. I, it doesn't have the same feel. And that's okay. Um, I I think that my, my least favorite, which is this is going to be like a, this is, no one's going to be mad about this. It's the first part of Deathly Hallows. For the reason that I just simply think, as a concept, the, it never should have been split into two movies. Yeah, that's fair. For that's That was my feeling all along. Um, I think there was a lot going on in the movie world with splitting things into two. Harry Potter was one of the first, but mm-hmm. they, they essentially created a build-up. You know, there's some action at the front half with the wedding and all of that, and then they go camping, and it's that, and it's... It's not as if this complaint doesn't exist in the book either. It's just, I think, from a movie standpoint, they could have montaged some of the camping a little bit better and gotten the point across Mm -hmm. pretty effectively and not had to do two movies. But who might argue with the money that Warner Brothers was certainly making from splitting it into two, like, feature films? Like, I get it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think that was mainly a a money-based decision. As I've been re-listening to Shriekcast as they reread Book 7, first of all, Book 7 was way wilder than I remember for a lot of reasons. It's been a, it's actually been a little while since I've reread that one. Um, but second of all, I think they could justify breaking it into two movies. I just don't think they did it in a way that succeeded in justifying it. Imagine if the whole second movie was basically just like the battle. Yeah, I mean, that would be dope. Yeah. But, like, you could you could focus on the other characters. You could focus on, you know, what's going on with Remus when Tonk shows up, you know? That had to have been a, a moment. Right, let's show more of, like, Harry and McGonagall when they are together in Hogwarts before the battle. Let's do all of that. But, hey, um, I think we're really missing the worst film in the entire franchise, and it's The Crimes the of Grindelwald. Oh, okay. Also, also the Crimes of Grindelwald. What were you gonna say? Um, people hate Order of the Phoenix a lot because of the like the wild um, changing of the plot. <laughs> oh, I mean, no, no, no. There's that. I, I was just, I really, the first Fantastic Beasts movie was fun and I enjoyed it, and then the second one was just so bad. Inexplicable is the word that I would use for to describe the Crimes of Grindelwald inexplicable is the only thing i have to say for that you're right um yeah but i I couldn't let a whole harry potter episode go by without throwing in like one more one more zinger at at that because it's Mm -hmm. 
not even touching the controversy around literally everything to do with it but <laughs> that like that franchise is so cursed I, I think we should blame 2020 on them trying to make a third Fantastic Beasts movie. They tried so hard to make the third one, and, and this, like, 2020 happened. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I don't care if the timeline doesn't match up. I'm sticking with it. I'm fine with that. Accepted. Cool. New headcanon all. Yeah, so that's sort of our experience with fandom and Harry Potter. You know, as we've grown older and JKR revealed who she is and um, people have started to really look more critically at things like the way that goblins are portrayed and how maybe it's, you know, pretty anti-Semitic. Um, and like, even if that's not what was intended, it's important to be able to recognize those sorts of tropes and that sort of failure to really critically examine what you're doing as you're doing it. And I really love the opportunity to look at something that I have such a, a deep and vast knowledge of and learn from what it did wrong and learn how to correct that going forward. And it's just kind of taught me to have a critical eye towards media and but still be able to love and cherish the media. You know, I still deeply love Harry Potter. I have Harry Potter shit all over my apartment. Um, and I don't see that changing, even as I recognize the faults of the franchise. I think that there are cases where working to recognize and discuss and break down some of the issues that are in a series like Harry Potter can be done while you still can hang on to, yes, that enjoyment for this thing that you have had. I did not think at all when I was younger about the portrayal of goblins because they they were presented as you know a different race some of the cues used to describe Rita Skeeter didn't pick up on those at all because it wasn't something that I thought about and that is something that when you are looking at a piece of media you need to check yourself sometimes and sometimes you need to critically evaluate things and in some ways Harry Potter can help all of us to learn to do that better because we've been fans for so long we have such a vast knowledge and it's easier to be able to look at it instead of just consuming something for the sake of consuming it i.e the first time you read a book when you fly through it and you're like that was great and then you sit there for a little while and realize something down the way harry potter we've all read we can just look at these things and say yeah we should talk about this and recognize it yeah, exactly. And I also want to be clear, um, you know, we've made the decision to continue engaging with Harry Potter fandom and doing so more responsibly and more critically. Uh, if you are not comfortable doing that because of all that's come to light about JKR and all the problematicness of the series that's um, sort of come to light as as you've grown older, that's totally fine. It's totally up to you what you're comfortable engaging with. And I feel like people love to react against quote-unquote cancel culture with like oh well you can enjoy the art even if you hate the artist and you know you can that's what me and Bailey are doing specifically with Harry Potter but you also don't have to you know if you don't like somebody and you don't feel comfortable engaging with the things that they did or created don't do that you know you have to make that decision for yourself with every piece of media and you should feel supported in whatever you decide 
Absolutely. We are not here to say that, oh, well, just because we recognize she's a bad person means it's okay to continue to be a Harry Potter fan. So I can't really say it better than Katie just said it. If you're not comfortable, you need to make the decision that's best for you. And um, sometimes that is not always an easy choice. This is all to say that everybody needs to engage in Harry Potter at their comfort level. And we just felt that our decision for us is that we can't separate Harry Potter fandom from our overall fandom experience and the way that we look at things now is colored by our experience with Harry Potter. Yeah, absolutely. It couldn't be left out. Agreed. Okay, well, uh, now that we got pretty serious there, wanna want to circle back to <laughs> Hogwarts houses? Yes. Um, I Obviously, like, this is the first episode many of you might have listened to so you don't have a lot to go on on guessing our houses but um if you want to take a moment and think about it for just a second (laughs) uh (laughs) i am i'm a ravenclaw bailey is a ravenclaw Mm -hmm. that's uh i used to like to think that i was a gryffindor but um i think that was a childhood dream and we all (laughs) need to to come back to reality and i'm a ravenclaw yeah um and as you get to know Bailey more, that's going to make the most sense out of everything you've ever heard. Um, she's very detail-oriented and and curious and, and studious and type A and everything a good Ravenclaw is. <laughs> Did I ever tell you, just as an aside, that my um, brother told me I couldn't have ADHD because I make lists? <laughs> I didn't know that that was uh, in the diagnosis criteria for ADHD. The DSM? Yep. <laughs> so, um, just all of you out there, you can still be <laughs> type A and make lists and be detail-oriented and be a Ravenclaw and still have ADHD in case you ever doubt yourself. Uh, yes, you can. I am a Slytherin, but not a racist one. <laughs> Always good to clarify. Uh, yeah, I put a lot of stock into being um, resourceful and clever and, you know, I, I am ambitious. I'm ambitious in a more low-key way than probably typically gets associated with Slytherins, but, I, you know, I want to accomplish things. I like a little, like a little bit of recognition. I like to be like, hey, that was good. I do get uncomfortable when people then try and, like, heap praise upon me. That's probably more of a Gryffindor thing mm. to be honest yeah that's definitely more of a there's a di- that's a difference between Gryffindors and, and Slytherins mm-hmm. is you're, you're ambitious you want things but that doesn't mean that you want to be the face of things right I one time I was talking to my brother and he has like grand dreams of like changing the world and he's he's a big West Wing fan um, I don't know if you've seen the show but he's like I, he's like I want to be Jed Bartlett like I want to be the guy and I was like, see, I want to be Leo McGarry. I want to be the guy behind the guy. The guy that does all the things right. that makes the guy, um, you know, successful. That's what I want to be. Okay, so we got to find you your partner Gryffindor who can be like the <laughs> face while you pull all the strings. Got it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> okay, cool. Glad, glad, glad we're there. So um, <laughs> I'm sure in future episodes, if, if you are listening with a mind towards lifelong Harry Potter fandom, you'll notice our houses come out like that. And also just want to put out the disclaimer there that we are not the type of people who are immediately like, oh my God, what's your house? No, wait, you're a Hufflepuff. Oh, come on. This is all for fun. 
first of all, as a Slytherin, I think Hufflepuffs are the best house. Every Slytherin needs a Huffle buddy. So if you would like to apply to be my Huffle buddy, I will accept applications. You can uh, find us on Twitter at Pros Tinted Pod. And on Instagram <laughs> at Pros Tinted Pod. And if you really have like a great application to be Katie's Huffle Buddy, <laughs> you can email us at hello at prostintedpod.com. Yeah. Um, I'm serious. I do want more Hufflepuff friends, please. Yeah. As as a Ravenclaw, um, let me know if you want a P.O. box to send books to. <laughs> yes. Bailey needs books. That's my plug there. <laughs> uh, so that's that's the Hogwarts house bit thought it would be a fun light note to uh end the episode on yeah definitely um so that's just sort of an overview of us our harry potter history if you will our like general opinion kind of meta opinions i feel like about the series um and fandom and our experience with it i'm sure we will have many more references to harry potter if i had to guess we would probably have some episodes coming up that deal with more specific parts of harry potter there will definitely be some talk around some of the internet happenings that we alluded to with Harry Potter, mm-hmm. uh, because we don't just want to talk about books. We want to talk about fandom and the culture around books. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you haven't heard of this, it's going to blow your mind. <laughs> very, very true. And I'm, I'm excited to share our thoughts on all of it with you. That's why we got a podcast, so we can talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> because talking to each other about books wasn't enough. We want to talk to all of you about it. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Pour yourself a glass of wine. Let's start reading in between the lines. Never know what we might find. Yeah, it could be magic. Oh. Pros Tinted Glasses is hosted by Bailey Utrecht and me, Katie Phillips. Our logo is by Baby Truth Collections, and our theme song is by Anna Voss. You can find her on socials at Anna Voss or at Anna Voss Music, and you totally should. We'll be back in two weeks to talk about The Grace Year by Kim Liggett. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>